The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Sports Talk New York on WGBB here in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue here. I'm taking you through the first hour in this second day of April 2023. It's a Sunday in case you're just waking up. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is right across the way. As always, I'm happy to welcome you aboard. Glad you can be with us. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight, as we always seem to do. Leading off, we'll speak with a member of the 1980 Miracle on Ice USA hockey team. Also had a solid career in the National Hockey League. Jack O'Callaghan will join us. After that, we will welcome in two-time World Series champion Scott Spezio, and we'll talk about his inspirational journey thus far through life. So sit back, relax, get comfortable. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the show tonight on GBB. We've got some great people, some great sports talk, and some great memories lined up ahead for you. I just want to talk to you about one thing, social media. Can we discuss that, please? Thank you. All right. We're out on Facebook. Find the page. It's cleverly titled WGBB Sports Talk New York. Find that, like it, live it, enjoy it. So, uh, so much information there. Stop by, give us a look, give us a like. Also, LinkedIn, we're on Twitter at WGBB Sports Talk. You can follow me on Twitter at B Donahue WGBB. And if you miss a show, don't worry because they're all out on the website the next day and you can listen to them at your leisure. Well, our first guest. He played in 390 National Hockey League regular season games between 82 and 89 for the Chicago Blackhawks and the New Jersey Devils. Before turning professional, of course, he was a member of the 1980 Winter Olympics United States National Hockey Team that upset the Soviet Union in the Miracle on Ice game. 1980, Lake Placid, what a moment. We welcome in tonight Jack O'Callaghan. Jack, good evening. Hi, guys. How are you? Wonderful, Jack. Thanks so much for taking some time. Uh, My pleasure. You grew up in Massachusetts. If I have to ask, who are your teams and your sports heroes as a kid? Well, uh, I grew up when the Celtics were winning every championship known to man right. year after the year, but didn't really care about that. Okay. Uh, once Bobby York came to town, that was my guy, and I've uh, been a fan of his and a friend of his since that time when I was probably, I don't know, seven or eight years old. Nice. Yeah, that's a good one to pick, Jack. That's for sure. Yeah, now, I like Bobby Orr. Yeah. You, you attended BU. Uh, you were a team captain. Uh, tell us a little bit about your college career. You played with a couple of the guys who were, who were on the hockey, the uh, USA team. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So when, we, when I was at BU, we were like, uh, like I don't know what to explain, like North Carolina, Duke basketball, you know, like. Yeah. We just great year after year after year. And, uh, yeah, I just had a really great run there. And, yeah, we were just great, man. It was so fun to play on a team like that where you had these guys that came in every year and they just brought it and they were good hockey com- competitors and, you know, they just kicked ass. So yeah, we were, we were just great for four years. So we won, nas- won national championship, but, uh, 
We were in the hunt every year. Yeah, that's a good place to be. That's for sure, Jack. Yeah, it was fun. Now, you, you played for Team USA in 79 at the World Championships in Moscow, so you were kind of exposed to the Russian school of hockey before 1980. Yeah. Okay. We kind of figured out, in fact, kind of figured out early on that they were like way better than us, and they would probably kill us. <laughs> yeah. That's how we played them. It was ridiculous. Um, it was kind of it's interesting you bring that up because the 79 was, you know, I'm a kind of a history guy. I grew up in Boston, you know, Buck Hill Monument and all this stuff and big fan of American history. And, uh, you know, going to Russia in 79, man, it was still like the Cold War. Yeah. There was a wall up, you know, and so it was kind of crazy. Like Brezhnev would come to every Russian game and when he was in that building, man, they were like, they were Russian military guys surrounding the rink with freaking AK-47s. Nice. Looking at the crowd. I mean, it was kind of a crazy thing, but it was really fun. It was a fun experience for me to be able to go there at 79. And of course, you know, that's when I met Herb Brooks and several guys that we ended up on the Olympic team together. And that's when we all became kind of friends at that point. And then as we moved towards 80. Yeah, and uh, Leonid Brezhnev, kids, look that up. A very nice-looking man, uh, very soft. That's how old I, am, <laughs> I, can still, I can remember Leonid Brezhnev. Yeah, <laughs> just Google him, kids. You'll see him. Uh, right. What a wonderful guy he was. Uh, just, just he's, out, a, he's a prince. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what an outstanding humanitarian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now. The year uh, after you graduated, Jack, of course, you're selected to the to the 1980 team, and uh, yep. the injury the, the the injury you sustained it's of course well depicted in uh, the movie yep. Miracle, and uh, it forced you out of the opening game against Sweden. But how, how did that injury occur? Tell us about that. So it's uh, thanks for asking that question. So I, <laughs> you know, I. Look, I, I was like the leading scoring defenseman all year, most penalty minutes, played all the time. And all of a sudden, I banged my knee up in New York City, and I can barely – Herbie kept me on the team, but I only played a few games. I, I think I missed two and played five. But the thing is, like, you know, I always say about how we win that gold medal to beat the Russians. They were so good, and so was Finland, so was Sweden, and so was everybody, right? Right. And the thing is, like, if if one thing had happened differently, like had I not hurt my leg, and that gave David Christian more ice time, he had a great Olympics, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Had he not maybe moved this guy off the team and moved this guy, and maybe if he had not, like, this goalie, that, I mean, like, it's it's like I was a commodity trader for a long time, and they were like, yeah, when the wind blows in Australia, you know what, sell beans, you know? So <laughs> it was like, that was what it was like. It was like if, if Herbie did one iota thing differently, we would not have won that gold medal. No way. Isn't that something? Unreal. So my, my, my hurt knee was probably one of the best things that happened to that team. <laughs> yeah, now, like I said, the kids out there, Jack, they, they, they only have Miracle to look at, the, the, the great Disney movie. Yeah, they, think I'm a, they think I'm a really, I'm a, I'm a hot-looking, you know, yeah. you know, 25-year-old. I, yeah, with, so I'll tell you a funny story. I with get, long I get, blonde I get, hair and, yeah. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to take over your interview, but uh, yeah, I get go ahead. funny letters sometimes. And, uh I got this one from like this this girl. She was in like a second grade, I don't know, somewhere out in freaking California, and she was like, "Mr. O'Callaghan, you're my favorite hockey player." I was out on a boat with my mom and my dad, and we were driving around out off of L.A., and we saw a whale come up to the boat, and I thought that was really cool. But you're way cooler than a whale coming up to the boat. <laughs> Right. Oh. So anyway, she sends me this freaking letter, right? So I reply to her. I write her a letter back. I'm like, hey, that was a great letter. Blah, blah. And I sent it to her teacher, you know, to give it to her. So before you know it, I had letters from like 22 
second graders yeah. for five years in a row. <laughs> and I would I would handwrite letters back to them. And I finally called the guy. I was like, dude, this has to stop. Yeah, yeah, enough, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, how, how do you live up Sorry, to man. how do you live up to a whale like that though, Jack? I, 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 I know there's no pretty, way. That was, a, that was my strongest letter ever. I, I would feel so <laughs> horrible. Yeah. Now, uh, the the Herbies. Let's talk about the Herbies. Kids. No, no. You know what we should talk about? Go ahead. We yeah. should talk. We should talk about uh, coming up next Thursday. Go ahead. Is BU versus Minnesota in the? Um, Frozen Four semifinals. Ah, yeah. Oh, that'll be a big one, right? So, well, you know, the last time that those two teams played in the semifinals was in nineteen seventy. Let me think. Seventy was it? 70, yeah, seventy-six. Okay. Which is the whole? It was all brought about in the movie Miracle, mm-hmm. um, when there was a big brawl, bench clearing, bench clearing brawl, and crazy stuff happened, and it was blah blah blah. And that was sort of the whole beginning of the whole Miracle on Ice thing with the uh, sort of the animosity between the regional guys in Boston and Minnesota. So that was true. Yeah. That, that was true that you guys did. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was 100% true. Right. Yeah. But my point is that this is the first time that BU's playing in Minnesota since. Since 76. then. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, oh, no doubt the, the guys don't remember that. Yeah, but still. Well, I, no, I, I, but you know they'll be talking about it. Yeah, oh, that's going to be a good one. Yeah, that's for sure, Jack. One, yeah. We're speaking yeah. with Jack O'Callaghan tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now, let's get back to the Herbies. That scene in the movie, that was absolutely true, where, where Herbie used yeah. to run you guys yeah. like that. Well, it was one of those, you know, we were, whatever, we were on this little tour on Europe, and uh, it was our last, second to last game. We tied the Norwegian, Herbie was pissed. And, uh yeah. He kept him on the ice, and the people thought we were doing like some kind of exhibition, but it was actually him just beating the shit out of guys. Yeah, and um, and fortunately for me, I didn't dress that night, so we had six guys rotating, you know, in and out of the lineup that night. I was not in, so I did not have to skate. I just got to stand next to Herbie on the bench and listen to him. And when uh, Gavin O'Connor was asking me about it in the movie Miracle. He goes, what really happened there? I said, well, I'll tell you what happened, because I was standing next to him on the bench the whole time. Yeah. And the guy turned the lights off, and uh, Dr. Nagabods was there, who, by the way, uh, just, just passed. passed away recently. God yeah. rest and, his soul. What a great man. I just, Well, yeah, yeah, but I just want to just give me give a nod out to Nagy. He was uh, sure pretty special man for you know for in a lot of ways, so mm-hmm. God bless and God rest his soul, correct. But anyway, Nagy was standing there, and Nagy's telling Herbie, yeah, you gotta let these guys off the ice. Yeah, yeah. Stop this. Yeah, yeah. But Herbie was like, and no, he had, he wasn't listening to anybody. So, yeah, but it really happened. You know, it was part yeah. of the whole deal. And then yeah. we we move like on I to said, change one thing. We don't win. No, that's right. Yeah, we move on to Lake Placid, and and the folks who are, who are our age will remember the political climate in the world at the time. But the kid, the kids don't really know. What was happening at the time? I mean, you had Carter and Brezhnev go, going at it uh, in the Cold War. Russia had just invaded Afghanistan. Tanks rolling yeah. in, uh, sort of like they're, hostages, sort of hostages, like they're doing today, Iran. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, things weren't good. And and uh, that game yeah. in the Garden against the Soviets, uh, the last exhibition. That's where where you where you uh, get hurt. And uh, yeah. th- they beat you guys ten to three. And yeah. Tikhanov, of course, we'll talk about him too later on. Um, he says that turned out to be a very big problem, causing the, the Soviets to, to underestimate the American team. 
Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, well, whatever. That's their problem, not mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, they did kick our butts uh, on that day in New York. And, you know, look, it was our – we had played 55 or six games or something. And our last, you know, sort of pre-Olympic games, and our last game, our 57th game, whatever it was, 55th game, we're playing these guys in Madison Square Garden. Kirby was like, that's a measuring stick. We'll see what we've got now. We had played this amazing schedule, like, for freaking 55 games. Like European teams and, and all these really good teams. And we, we were in there. We put like triple A baseball. You know, if you think about it, we were in the American League. Okay? Yeah. So we're playing like one step below the NHL. We played six in NHL teams and we had a great schedule. And so we're ready to rock against these guys. And dude, they kicked our butts like yeah. you've never seen. Like just beat our ass. And, uh, I mean, it was 10-3, but it could have been 20-3. to You know, I mean, whatever. Now I get banged up and they just beat the crap out of us. McClanahan was banged up and. Guys got beaten up. These guys are so big and strong. And I don't know, man. It was just like one of those things. Like we back to Lake Placid and kind of got our got our stuff together. And you know, it's like, all right, I'm playing Sweden. Let's just you know play Sweden. Like, don't worry about yeah. You know, we, we know that we're not as maybe we thought we were better than we are. Let's just and we tied Sweden. And then you know when we smoked Czechoslovakia, all of a sudden we're like one win, one tie, and we're moving through. And it was like. You know, we start getting that confidence back. It was weird, mm-hmm. you know. It was yeah. Like, we started feeling better about ourselves, and then all of a sudden, you know, here we are on a Friday afternoon playing the Russians. Right. And we're like, okay, they just smoked us. They, you know, we know we know that if we try to, whatever, we just kind of, I don't know, we just all pulled it together and uh, keep it close, and we kept it close, and we had great goaltending. And, you know, one thing led to another, and before you know it, I mean, we're only down to goal, and we're young, fit guys. I mean, to this day, I think you guys know this, our Olympic team in 1980, to this day, is the youngest right. Olympic team Yep, the youngest ever. bunch. Yep. Right. That is for so sure. So we had legs, and, you know, Herbie had trained the crap out of us all year, so we were strong as hell. That third period, man, I thought we took it to him pretty good. You well, know? well, when you stepped on the ice for your first time, that's your first game back after your injury. No, you... no, that's just in the movie. I actually only I only missed the Swedish. Oh, okay. In, uh, in the reality, like movies are movies, right? In the reality, I missed. Um, so how about this? I'm on the bench against Sweden. First game we played, two-two tie. I'm on the bench in street clothes, but I'm on the roster. Right. And you know everybody knows I'm hurt. You know, and so every night they pick randomly two guys for drug testing. No, I'm on the bench in street clothes. You know, kind of rooting the team on whatever. And uh, randomly they pick me for a drug test. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's some, some, what a random, some shrewd thinking there, yeah. Shooting, shooting shit into my knee, right? <laughs> sorry, I, sorry about saying the word S-H-I-P. I apologize. That's okay. We we let slip once in a while, too, Jack. The Jack, Jack O'Callaghan is with us. Now, you step on the ice that night. You smack the, what you just said at a, a Soviet guy right away, and that, that hit, that had to turn the tide of something right there. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. I, I would just, I'm just telling you right now, man, we had 20 guys going all out, and, uh, yeah, every, everything that everybody did just worked out. You know, it's like I said, man, you know what? The wind blows in Australia. We don't win that gold medal. That's know? true. It's the way it is. Like, it's we had to get the thread that needle. I hate to use these cliches, but, like, if one thing happened differently, you know, there's no way that happens. It was a once-in-a-lifetime shot for us. And, uh, look, we were really, really good. Really yeah. good. Yeah. And, and we really were, you know, and, and they were great. But one game, right? I mean, you think of all the guys we had on our team, and I'll just throw this out there for you guys. 
like Neil Broughton, Dave Christian, Kenny Morrow, you know, Mike, Ra- Mike Ramsey, Kenny, right? Mike Ramsey, Neil Broughton, David Christian played 17 years in the NHL. Right. Years. Yeah. Great career. Kenny Morrow won four Stanley Cups. Yeah. Kenny Morrow steps <laughs> off that ice onto the Nassau right. Coliseum ice Cups, and, then, right? <laughs> and gets a Stanley Cup after a gold right, medal. Right. How about great, that, folks? Great teammate, great yeah. hockey player, great guy. And how about this? Why aren't those guys in the NHL Hall of Fame? Yeah. Ah, Ken, like, Kenny's got that? a great case. They all do. Yeah, you're right. What's up with that? Yeah, what's up with that? But this guy, this guy is in that Hall of Fame. He gets pulled by Tikhanov, which is, the, I'm speaking, of course, about the great oh, Tretiak. Yeah, he gets pulled. Now, here's, a funny, here's a funny story about this whole thing. So, you know, on the bench, you know, we're playing the Russians, and I see, you know, we score like at the last second of the game of the uh, of the period. period yeah, right, think, right. It was the first, no, first period. Well, like the last second of the, of the first period, buzzer goes off, two-tooth game. Everybody goes off the ice. You know, I'm I'm on the bench, and I'm like, I'm thinking, you know, you can't go off the ice. There has to be a face-off before the period ends. Like mm-hmm. you can't just the period never ends on a because it's still like you know one millionth of a second left. Got to have a face up. So I'm standing. I was like, "Well, we're, the Russians are all off the ice." So right. I'm sitting next to Craig. I'm sitting next to Craig Patrick. I swear to God. And so the Russians that send they send five guys back on the ice in a goalie, and we send five guys on the ice in a goalie because you know they get to drop the puck and do buzz. And that's off. it, right? But here's the thing: when they send five guys in a goalie, you know they sent out Michigan. Okay. So so I, I looked at Craig Patrick. I go, dude. They just sent Michigan into the net. And he goes, that's weird. I go, yeah. I'm like, why would you put the backup goalie in if he's – I go, that's weird. It's like – because, you know, all of a sudden now he's on the score sheet, right? So uh-huh. I'm like, why would they put Michigan in? Well, you know why you put him in? Because he – they went off the ice after that second goal, and he basically told Trajak, you're done, Michigan, you're in. And I said to Craig Patrick, I go, I think they just pulled Trajak. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, that can't be possible. And they did. They pulled him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The greatest goalie in the world, folks, gets pulled yeah, by the coach. The yeah. And then, and then them not pulling him in the final seconds. When uh, the the pressure was amazing that they put on yeah. you guys. Fun stuff, buddy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the pressure was unreal that, the, yeah, that these these thirty three year old Russian monsters. Are bringing on right. the ice, and and they do not pull Michigan uh, to get the extra skater. And uh, the coach says because we just never did it, right? I'm sorry, the coach what? says the coach says we didn't pull the goalie because we never did six on five, even in practice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't know. They didn't know what it was like to be behind. Yeah. Go the yeah. Oh man, that now, it was fun, man. I just got to tell you, it was fun. You know, like. Look, they were a great team, and it was a it was a like a once in a lifetime shot. It just doesn't happen, right? Like, you know, we're here, we are. We get we worked ourselves into the situation, and we just said, all right, we got another shot at these guys, and let's just pull our stuff together, and you know, just grind it out, you know, step by step, right? Keep it close, and you know, don't get behind these guys like we did in New York, and just keep it tight. And, and all of a sudden, you know what? We just had energy, and you know? we just kind of came at those guys, and all of a sudden, we were coming at them, and. um Got to give Herbie a lot of credit on that. You know, he, we were his science experiment, and um, we trained off the ice like crazy people. We were really fit. I mean, it was it was. I learned more about being a, an athlete that year than in my life. 
Because it's like you got to be fit, and you got to, you know, it's like not just skating and playing hockey; it's jumping and power and yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, man, he 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 put us through the ringer like for eight nine months. And, you guys uh, had legs, that's for if, sure. Yeah, if you weren't yeah. fit, man, you weren't going to be on that team. So now you were you were there, Jack. The you were there for all of uh, Herbie's inspirational words uh, that that we've all read about uh, his yeah. speech that night. His speech, yep. uh, when you guys were losing to Finland for the gold medal, he's telling you, you're gonna take this game. If you lose it, yep. you're gonna take yep. it to your effing graves. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Yeah. You know, that was just a connection with Herb, you know? Like, yeah. We were all American, we were all American hockey players, and like, he had lived through it as a player. He did. And now he's living through it as a coach, and he's won a lot of stuff in his life as a college coach, and now he's coaching us, and he's like, you know, he's, he, he lived through being cut from an Olympic team and, oh, you know, and yeah. played on national teams and all. Like he had, he had incredible experiences and, and, uh, he was a hard guy to like get to know, like, cause he was just, he was just kind of tough, you know, like you, he just, he wasn't a, he's not, he wasn't a warm guy. I guess that's the best way to say it. But until you got to know him, then you understood that he was actually really a warm guy. You know, it's kind of like one of those strange guys. Mm-hmm. And so, when he was our coach, in the beginning of the year, I just, you know, it took me a while to warm up to him, but all of a sudden I was like, I just believe in this guy, you know, like, and I think we all just believed in him, and he had this vision of us, and, uh, you know, again, he had lived through it, you know, and we all knew what he went, what he had gone through, so we all knew, like, we didn't show up every day, like, we weren't gonna be there. He was like, dude, I'm not, I'm not negotiating with you guys. Here's the bar, get there or you're gone. And you know what? I kinda grew to respect that, and, for the rest of his life, he and I had a really good friendship and a good relationship, and uh, I really I cherish that. Have Have you ever spoken to any of the uh, the Soviet Union players since that since that game, Jack? Well, I'll tell you a funny story, but uh, the answer to that question is no. Okay. I, I was in Chicago one night with my uh, wife and my son. Is after a Hawks game. We were one of those like Japanese steakhouses, you know, where they fry up the stuff all around the place, and so yeah. Anyway, we got on the Hawks game, and so we're sitting over there, and my wife and my uh, two kids, and Trejack and a couple of Russian guys walk in with all these fur coats and stuff. It was the middle of February in Chicago, and so <laughs> they sit down. So my son says to me, he goes, hey, Dad, he goes, he's like, I don't know, he's like seven at the time. He goes, hey, Dad, that's that Russian goalie, that Trejack guy. I go, yeah, I know who he is. <laughs> he goes, yeah. you should go over and say hi to him. And I said to him, I go, yeah. I've already, I've already ruined one day in his life. I don't want to ruin another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That's a great one. Great one. Oh, it was great. Yeah. It was really fun. Now, you mentioned the Hawks, Jack. You played for the Blackhawks. You played in New Jersey with the Devils. What would you consider your fi- finest moment in the NHL? Um, oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think my finest moments in the NHL really revolved around playing for the Blackhawks. You know, like, mm-hmm. Playing in a great city like Chicago with great fans and uh, great hockey fans and a great hockey town, a great sports town. And, you know, playing the old stadium with guys like Denny Savard and Dougie Wilson and Al Secord and Steve Larmer and on and on and on. And, uh, these great players, we had great teams and, you know, we, we were playing in front of 22,000 people every night. And, um, you know, that was probably the greatest of all time. I mean, probably the most fun I had was in 85. I think we, uh, we took Edmonton to six games before they ended up, you know, beating us and then went on to win the cup. But, uh, we took them to six games. It was really strong. And, and, uh, that night in the, in the, uh, Chicago stadium, like, was 
game four in Chicago State, we were down two games to one. We had to win the game, and we ended up beating them. And, uh, I mean, they, I think the capacity in Chicago State is like 17,700, something like that. There were 25,000 people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And the place was, I mean, I was on the ice when they sang the anthem at the start of the game. And it was like being, it was like standing there in an earthquake. I mean, the, the, like the building was moving and I just, I, I'm standing on the ice going like, this thing's going to fall down, man. <laughs> it's yeah. like unbelievable. Yeah. But, it, uh, it's Chicago a new- Stadium was like playing there, you know, it was just, and I, I was there during the time when Jordan was there for the Bulls, you know, and yeah. so the Bulls game was a crazy, the Hawks games were, for, were crazy and it was just, uh, it was a great time in my life. Yeah, the uh, it's it's an original six franchise, as you yeah. say. The the yeah. it's not the greatest like, building in the world. Yeah, it's there's no there's no place ever like it. It's not like Not-Gris. playing in the Meadowlands uh, when you're talking and about. I, but I enjoy I enjoyed that when I played for the Devils. I really I I really like playing for the Devils. You know, it was, it was a great place to be. We were the first team and franchise to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Mm-hmm. We went to the semifinals and lost in seven games to the Bruins in the semis. They ended up losing to Edmonton. But uh, we, I think we really we were the beginning of turning that franchise around. And, and I don't know if you know this, but this is really cool. It's a cool story. So we're playing the Islanders in the first playoff series for the Devils that they've ever, you know, been in. We're going to win. We're going to win. We ended up winning the series. And so the way we won the series was, I, I think it was an overtime, but pretty sure it was an overtime. You can you can Google this thing. So anyway, puck comes back to me, and I blast it on the goal. The goalie kicks it out to his left. It goes to Mark Johnson's stick, and Mark Johnson buries the game-winning goal. So I always thought about this. I was like, you know what's interesting? The first time the Devils ever won a playoff series, the game-winning goal scored by Mark Johnson, assisted by Jack O'Callaghan. Kind of familiar. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I always thought that was a cool thing, you know. Yeah. And of course the Devils became a great franchise and won Stanley Cups and everything, but that was the beginning of the upswing with Lou Amarillo. And it all, it all comes back to Lake Placid, folks. That, that's it. Well, that's what I think, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jack, <laughs> I think I, everything goes back to 1980. <laughs> I appreciate you, Jack, uh, taking the time out of your Sunday right, night guys. to spend it with uh, us and always, chat. always great to talk to one of the, uh, one of the Lake Placid boys. And I thank yeah, you again, I'm Jack. Down, I'm sitting down here in my house in Ponte Vito with my flip-flops on. Ah, nice. Yeah, we're freezing up here on Long Island. Yeah. Hey, hey, by the way, Patrick Kane, go Rangers, buddy. Go Rangers. Okay, we hear you. All right, Jack. Thanks so much. Thank you. That's the great Jack O'Callaghan, ladies and gentlemen. Up next on Sports Talk New York, we welcome in two-time World Series champ Scott Spezio. So stick around, folks. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB, coming to you from beautiful downtown Merrick, Long Island, New York. And finally, opening day this week, folks. Baseball is back. No more countdown. Uh, of course, we have Justin Verlander starting the season on the injured list. Uh, typical Mets luck. And uh, I, I don't know, maybe that's what you get for counting heavily on a 40-year-old uh the new rule changes. I uh, hope, hope you're enjoying them. The games seem to be uh, just flying by. I know that. Uh, uh, the Mets on opening day, they were charged a strike on, on Jeff O'Neill, the batter, because Pete Alonso took too long to get back to first base. Now, that was ridiculous, and they later came out and said it was ridiculous, and they're really going to have to hone down uh, the edge on some of these rules and, and make uh, things a little little smoother here. And, of course, we will be following uh, the season of Sayville native and St. John the Baptist graduate Logan O'Hoppy, catcher for the Los Angeles Angels. He started opening day. He drove in the only run for the Halos. And, of course, he got to catch the great Shohei Otani on opening day. My alma mater, second Major League Baseball player from St. John the Baptist. The first was pitcher John Habian who later coached the Cougars there in West Islip. So we will check in on Logan occasionally. Our next guest, well-known for his time as a member of the Anaheim Angels when he hit a three-run homer in Game 6 of the 2002 series against the Giants, sparking the Angels to a dramatic come-from-behind victory. Also played for the A's, the Mariners, and the Cards. And, of course, I, I remember his dad, because I'm old, the son of former major leaguer Ed Spezio. Um, he was also a utility player on the Cards in 2006 when they won the series. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show tonight Scott Spezio. Scott, good evening. Hey, good evening, Bill. Thanks for having me on. No worries. It. It's great to have you, Scott. I want to ask you now, you, you grew up in Illinois. Who were your heroes and your teams when you were a kid? Uh, so you, you had mentioned that my dad played, you know, um, he played on the Cardinals. So he, he right. actually was on the 64 team that, right. uh, um, that played the Yankees and then the 67 team that, that beat the Red Sox and then 68 team that they lost to Detroit. Um, so I was always a Cardinal fan. Um, but he also played for the Padres and the White Sox. So I, yes. because I was from, you know, outside of Chicago, um, I was a White Sox fan too. Uh, so those were my two big teams, but I watched a lot of the Cubs because they were on. Right. You know, WGN was big around Superstation, that's right. Yeah, that's right, Scott. Yeah. I, I remember, Yeah, I, I think one of your dad's cards, because I used to have uh, thousands of baseball cards when I was a kid, he, uh, yeah. it, it was a, uh, the year the Padres, uh, came into the league, I think. He had one of those cards that Tops would put out with a guy with no hat. So they didn't have, they, yeah. they, they later took to airbrushing the hats, which was really horrible, but I think they had Ed with no cap on, with a Cardinals uniform, but it said Padres on the card. And that, that's the way Tom oh did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I know he had a, yeah, he had a one card that, um, his bat actually, uh, was in front of part of his name, and then they found the mistake and corrected it, and that card is worth like, Twelve hundred bucks or something. I'm gonna have to look know. that one up. Yeah, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll check that one. Yeah. yeah, that that's good stuff. All right. Now you were selected by Oakland in the '93 draft. You signed later that year, and you you really established yourself as a great utility player with Oakland, didn't you, Scott? 
Well, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing. Like, um, I came up as a, a third baseman in the minor leagues, and then uh, Art Howe, like my rookie year, so going into my rookie year in 97 in spring training, he goes, hey, did you ever play second? And I'm like, yeah, I played it all the time. And and I'd only played three games in my life at second base <laughs> in American Legion ball. Uh, but me and my dad have worked on pretty much every position because when he got stuck behind Ken Boyer, oh, he's yeah. like, man, I got to learn other positions, you know. Right. And then he also was like, I'm going to teach you how to switch hit um, because he, he got platoon when he went to the Padres. So I knew how to switch hit. I knew how to play every position except for catcher. Um, and so that year he actually – for for the next three years, I pretty much played second base every day um, until like '99, and then uh, I think they were trying to make me miss arbitration, yeah, <laughs> which didn't work, and I made it. And then they didn't want to offer me arbitration, so I became a free agent and went to the Angels. Now, with the Angels, I started off being a DH, primarily a left-handed DH, and then uh, after about halfway through 2001, I became the everyday starting first baseman and and so like it's weird in my career and then when i went to seattle they moved me back to third and then of course with the the cardinals they pretty much moved me everywhere um so yeah i was known as a utility guy but most of my time i actually you know had you know like primary i would say primarily first and second and then some third as well yeah it was great that ed uh, instilled that in you to play other positions and to switch hit. Uh, just, uh, he, yeah. he lived through it, Ed Spezio. So he, he made sure his son wasn't going to. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you don't need to be facing a Randy Johnson left on left. You know? <laughs> no, no, you, not you at all. Want, yeah. You want those pitches breaking towards you, not like starting at your head and then, you Ooh. know. Breaking away. That's true. So, Go ahead, Scott. I'm sorry. No, that yeah. So he was he was very smart with that, and he was very smart with the mental game too. And so at a young age, I, he had me visualizing and and you know doing like self hypnosis stuff and you know positive affirmations and all that wow. kind of stuff. So uh, that's what that's what I credit. You know, not not only being prepared. To be able to play anywhere in case you have a, you know, a guy like Mark McGuire or Jason Giambi in front of you, you know, so you can move, um, you know, and also the switch hitting in case you're seeing a, a nasty lefty, you know, you know, or a nasty righty, you can switch sides. Mm-hmm. But the mental, the mental side is what got me to the big leagues and kept me there for 12 years. And, you know, and it, and it very easily could have been a lot longer had I not, you know, screwed up with, with other stuff, you know, towards the end of my career. Right. Yeah. Well, 2002, we'll speak about that. We, we, uh, we have a career year coming for you in 2002. That was the year of the, uh, the rally monkey. I, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. The, the, those folks out there went crazy with the rally monkeys and you had a big home run in that series and, uh, you were one of the heroes. Yeah. That, you know, that was. That was probably my my biggest year, uh, you know, that in 2003. You know, the, or a year like those two would probably be worth about $25 million nowadays. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, my dad had always prepared me for those those World Series, those playoff moments. You know, I remember him always saying, you know, like, George Brett, try easier. 
I would visualize myself in, in huge situation and we do a lot of situational hitting, you know, three, two count, two outs, bases loaded, down one, bottom of nine, game seven of the World Series. What are you going to do? <laughs> and so like when I got there, uh, I remember we were facing the Yankees the first series. Nobody gave us a chance. We didn't have, and our, um, our active roster for that 2002 season in the playoffs, we had nobody that had been in the playoffs before. Um, we had like Dennis Cook, but he was on the roster for the, for the playoffs. And so, you know, we were a really green team. Nobody gave us a chance. We walk into Yankee Stadium and lose that first one. And then boom, we got hot and I got really hot. I ended up, you know, tying the record. I had 19 RBIs in the playoffs that year. Um, had it for a while until Freeze broke it. Uh, but at least it was a Cardinal that broke it, right? Right. And, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I get I have to credit that to my dad as well. He had prepared me for those those uh, situations my whole life, you know. And and I think in twenty twenty six career games, I had twenty five RBIs in the playoffs. Not too um, bad. Yeah, so I felt like yeah, I felt like I'd been there a million times. Now you, you were primary backup at one time, Scott to to Scott Rowland at third base with, with the yeah. Cards. Now he went into the hall this year. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the game of Scott Rowland for the kids that may not be familiar with him. Oh boy, um, one of the best defensive third basemen I'd ever seen, um, especially for his size. Um, just a great RBI machine. Um, we were both rookies at the same time. As a matter of fact, there's a there's a rookie card of us where there's four of us on there. I think it's like Chris Haas and George Arias and me and, and Roland. And I have to thank him because the price of that just went up. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but I remember it was me, him, uh, Nomar Garcia Parra, and Jose Guillen that uh, were invited to the All-Star game in 97. We had we were the four rookies that had the most home runs at the All-Star break, and we were invited to the rookie home run hitting contest right before the regular contest. The regular contest, And the winner of that went on to, um, to, to go into the big, you know, the big league one. So we had, you know, all the big guys, Bonds, Griffey, Albert Bell, McGuire, all those guys surrounding our cage while we're doing, you know, the home run hitting oh, contest. Gee. yeah. And it was just crazy. And I remember talking to Roland. I said, you know, what's your approach? And he's like, my approach is I try to get a one RBI game. And that's it. He goes, I don't care what else I do. As long as I get an RBI game, I'm happy. And, you know, and I thought, man, that's a great way to kind of take some pressure off yourself. You know, you're not worried about what's my average, what's this, you know, driving runs. And, and he was a beast at that. And even when he was hurt, he was still playing. He never wanted to be out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, during the 2006 uh, playoffs, um, I ended, he was hurt and, and his shoulder was not 100%, but he still battled through that whole year. Um, I ended up playing a lot of third in the playoffs because he was hurting. And luckily I did well, but, um, I remember, you know, Tony going, Hey, what do you think? You know, should I play him? I said, shoot. I go, Tony, you know, I want to play. I'm always there for you. And I, you know, I'm great off the bench, but I go, you know, even with Rowan, even just for defense, you might just want to stick him out there and then just use me wherever you, you know, you can. And so. I ended up playing some outfields, you know, some right field, some left field, some second, some DH, you know, mm-hmm. um, and third in the playoffs in that whole year, you know, whoever needed a break. But 
he's just a, he's just a great dude too. You know, really um, worked. He did a lot with his charity back home and in, in St. Louis area, and uh, I was thrilled for him to be in. Right, we will see him this summer up in Cooperstown, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Now you get your second ring with the cards, Scott. Right, we're speaking with Scott Spezio tonight. Did. 2006 again come up with a big hit in the world series yeah yeah um you know it's, it's crazy because you know i wasn't playing every day but i you know i got i don't know somewhere i had a really good year in 2006 which is crazy i um i think i had somewhere around 280 at bats you know 13 14 home runs you know 50 something rbis um i think my ops was in the 800 um, you know, a lot of doubles and things like that and played a lot of different positions. And, um, the second to last game, boy, we were ahead of Houston that year and Houston was in the national league and, uh, we had to win a game. We lost like six or seven in a row and they were, they won seven in a row. And, uh, second to last game, Tony brought me in. We were playing uh, the Brewers. Tony brought me in with the bases loaded two outs against Cordero, who was, he was doing a great job closing. I don't think he had blown a save. Uh, I, I, I pinch hit with two outs. I get behind 0-2. He throws me a fastball in off the plate. I take it. Next ball, he throws fastball away. I hit it in the in the corner for a triple. We end up winning 3-2. We lose the next day, and Houston lost to the Braves, and that's how we got in with mm-hmm. whatever it was, an 80, like an 83-81 and 81 record or something that year. It was something crazy. Um and then, yeah, we got hot as a team. And the, the, the big, my big hit in that series, I had a, a RBI against the, the, uh, Padres in the first series or maybe two. And then that, the big hit was the game two against the Mets. I ended up getting a, a triple, uh, driving in a couple runs and then another, um, uh, trip or sorry. Yeah. Triple. And then I hit a double off Wagner. And we came from behind and won that game. If we, you know, it would have been a different story being down 0-2 going home. But, you know, going down, going home 1-1 was much a much better thing. And I think I had a triple and a couple RBIs the next day, too. Um, so that was that was probably my biggest moment of, of the 2006 series. But big moments. And we had a lot of those from a lot of different guys. So Taguchi and, you know. And Yadier Molina had a big mm-hmm. home run in Game Seven, right. and you know Wainwright. Wainwright came out of nowhere to become our closer because Isringhausen was uh, hurt, and you know Josh Kenny and just a, uh, Anthony Reyes won won Game One against the Tigers. You know, um, so we had a lot of unsung heroes to go with all of our you know big names like Pools and Roland and Edmonds and Carpenter and you know Stupan and yeah. you know so on and so forth. A good club, uh, yeah. yeah. We, we we don't much like to talk about that series around here, Scott. <laughs> Sorry, that Cardinal series. Yeah, that kind of sticks in my craw a little bit, you know. I, my oh. bad. That was a, yeah. That was uh, that was a rough. That was a rough one to take. I'll tell you. <laughs> Speaking of yeah, take, that was a heck of a <laughs> man. I'll tell you like that. I I was scared to death when. Uh, when Beltran got up there, it was Wainwright, and, oh, man, and yeah. Wainwright threw a heck of a breaking ball. That's why they call him Uncle Charlie. Yeah, you know, yeah. That was big pitch right there. Oh boy! Well, you win some, you lose some. That's for sure. That's now, right. Now you, you pitched one time, Scott. You took the mound as a relief pitcher. I think it was 2007, and they clocked your yep. fastball at 87. Yeah, 
I had some good stuff for those yeah. guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I do less. I just actually got done with four, four and a half hours of lessons, uh, today. I walked straight in as soon as I sat down to, to await your call. Boom, you called. And, uh, I was, I, with all of my kids, I always say, you know, I always do game situation stuff. I'll break out curveballs and change ups and do game situation and playoffs and stuff. And yeah, I'm always like, you remember, you guys are facing the greatest pitcher of all time. I have a zero ERA. <laughs> yeah, <basically."> right. <laughs> they they love that. So it's it's kind of fun, you know. It it was really cool that Tony, you know, that ended up being my last year, and and Tony's like, no curveballs, no change ups, all that stuff, and. Isringhouse is like, just lob it in there. I'm like, no way, man. This is my chance. I haven't pitched since high school in 1990. Right. And, uh, I just had fun with it and it, it's a blast. Uh, yeah, it, and you did great. Things I'll man. Yeah, I re- I'll remember that forever. That was it great. Was incredible. Now, now we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the rest of your journey, Scott. I mean, like the best of us, yeah. you ran into a little trouble. Um, Yep. They say it's it uh, started back in 2004 when you had that that spring training injury. You what did you do? Trip on the mound yeah. or something? Well, no. I, well, so I was at third base and it was a pop up, you know, over the pitcher's mound. And usually at the, the shortstop's going to collapse on that. But Rich Aurelia was playing pretty deep, and I'm sure Brett Boone was probably about as deep too. And so I was running full speed. And look, kind of looking at them, and then I, I look back, and I'm like, I got to make this play. And so my foot just kind of jarred the side of the mound, oh. um, and it, my leg was locked. And it was a free thing. I caught the ball, but I remember just, like, feeling all this pain in, in like, between my shoulder blades. And I turned to Rich Aurelia. I threw him, you know, like, flipped him the ball, and I go, I think I just blew my back out. And he's like, really? And I go, yeah. And and. By the next morning, I could like barely walk, and I tried to play, and and I I I took a a, a swing in the first game, and I, as soon as I took a step out of the box, I collapsed, and they had to carry me off the field, and and they told me that I blew out my T six, my thoracic T six and T seven disc, you know, oh, like a, a race car, you know, a racing a car wreck accident, you know, very rare, and uh, so that's like the first time in my life I'd really been hurt, and. They're telling me, you know, I'm probably not going to play, and if I play, you know, I, I did anything to put more fluid out, I could become paralyzed, and I, if I want to play, I'm going to have to have this surgery, and it's a five percent chance that I'd be paralyzed, and they're going to need to clap, clap along, and take out a rib, and put rebar in my spine, and and I, and it's the first time like I didn't, because I was used to playing all the time, mm-hmm. and um, uh oh. Sorry, my dog is barking. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, and, and and anyway, um, a clip. Follow. No, sorry, guys. That's okay. Uh, That's okay, um, Scott. Um, and uh, so anyway, I, I got depressed, and, and it was my new team, and I, I wanted to fit in, and and so I I tried going and hanging out at, at the bars with the guys after games, and. And I wasn't a big drinker. I, you know, I, I never saw a drug until I was like 33 and a half years old. And, um, I was a dare guy. I went and talked to schools all the time about staying away from drugs and alcohol. And when I, when I did it, I didn't have that kind of, that group around me, like, you know, Tim Salmon, Garrett Anderson, Eckstein, Benji Molina, Orlando Palmero, guys like that were kind of holding me accountable. And, um, and, and I wasn't playing. 
And so I didn't care, like, if I stayed out late or drank a lot. And I started drinking a lot. And then once I did that, I kind of got like, liking it. And then, um, then I started making stupid decisions. And I did an affair and a divorce. And um, then I felt ashamed and guilty. So then I drank more and then got remarried. And um, she, you know, wasn't the greatest influence. I always made my own decisions. Everything's my fault. But, um, you know, Sometimes if you have some people that you know might not be making the best decisions around you, it rubs off on you. Oh yeah, so it does. It doesn't um, do you much favors, uh, Scott. No. It's, it's a powerful drug, and it uh, yeah, it, it takes control, yeah. and you know, absolutely. And and the crazy thing is, is nobody in my family ever suffered from alcoholism or addiction, and um, and I really didn't know anybody like that, and so. Then I, you know, once I started suffering, and then I tried cocaine in, in November after I got released by the, by the, um, by the Mariners. Um, and I thought, man, my plane career is over. And then, you know, then, you know, because of my divorce, a lot of my friends and families, you know, really didn't have a, a good relationship with me. So I just kept making horrible decisions. And then I got addicted to that at the end of 2006. And 2007 really was a struggle for me, and and I really became a distraction for the Cardinals. And it's it's too bad because I really started feeling like I was, you know, I was finding my niche, um, and, and I felt like I had probably another five six years. And um, but you know, um, I I learned from the incident, and but you know, I, I call it a detour. Um, I, I it was yeah. a long detour. Um, but I learned from it. I learned empathy. I, you know, I, I learned, uh, you know, uh, what's important in life. I got my priorities straight and, you know, I'm a big Christian. And so now I, I talk about, you know, putting God first, family second and, and, you know, um, and then true friends and, and self. And, and, uh, I, I always actually wear a bra- bracelet that says I am second, you know, mm-hmm. um, right. so yesterday I spoke to a Christian school and, and, uh, in Rockford, Illinois, and and I told him I should it should say I am last, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but that's what I try to do now. I try to give people hope because you know after ten years of struggling, I went to rehab uh, twelve times in ten years. I wasn't going to give up, and my whole my whole thing was, um, yeah, like I, I'm not as long as I have a breath, I got a pen and I can write a great ending to my story, and so. Um, I didn't give up. I relied on God to to really steer instead of me trying to you know steer off the cliff and off road and and He helped me and and uh, I just surrounded myself with great people and I try to give I try to tell kids to stay away from the stuff because you know it can ruin your lives and kill you, especially with this fentanyl now. Oh boy! And, right. Uh, and then I you know the people that are struggling, I say, hey man, there's always hope as long as you got a breath, you can get out of it. You know, you just gotta. You gotta take small steps every day and it's gonna be a battle for, you know, for a good 18 months, two years. That it but is. If you can get through that, you know, your brain will rewire and, and you'll get back to yourself, you know. Just don't give up. There's pl- plenty of people to help and, uh, you're exactly right. To get, get on the straight and narrow, make a meeting and, uh, things, things will turn around. Uh, you, you admitted, Scott, that you drank during games. How do you manage that? Yeah, I, you know what? I still don't know how it yeah. is. I mean, <laughs> yeah, um, I know, right? It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in 2000, so that started my last year. Um, I, I 
you know, because I, I started using, in 2007 is when I started, like, using cocaine a lot. And, and, it, and I always had a drink with it. So it was, it was um, you know, one, one was an upper, one was a downer. So I was constantly trying to balance. And, right. and then a lot of times I couldn't sleep. So I'd just stay up. I'd stay up days at a time. And um, I would, you know, I would, uh, like, have alcohol and sometimes even uh, cocaine with me um, or Adderall or something like that just to try to level me out so I could play. And uh, I don't know how I hit 270 that year. You know, I only had four home runs, but um, I, I just it kind of, it's like, man, what could I have done had I not had, you know, started drinking and, and used? But like I said, um, you know, now, like, I could have probably had a better career, but at least now, like, I can try to help save lives, you know. And so True. I feel like God, you know, God didn't put me through it. I, he allowed me to go through it. So use me at a later date, and you know I'm I feel blessed that I've got a second chance, you know. But yeah, I don't know how some. There was sometimes I remember one game. I think I had I want to say I had 18 beers during the game. Holy mackerel! Um, yeah, that's pretty good yeah, against, against the Astros. Yeah, it was like and, was and you remember it too. You remember the day? Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think I had man. I want to say I had like eight or nine assists at third base that day, and. Um, yeah, I was drinking like two or three beers between every inning. And, and, and to me, I didn't feel drunk. You know, it yeah. was like my, I, I used to have this joke, like I've got too much blood in my alcohol system. Oh, I say that all and, the time, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I always used to say my liver's, uh, evil. It needs to be punished. Yeah. And, you know, that, yeah. And so that, it was almost like, in that stage, you know, I was probably, who knows, probably double the legal limit in, in playing um, at that stage. And just because that's when I felt normal, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it's weird. It's weird to go from, like, not even wanting to take aspirin or Tylenol to, you know, needing something. And, and then, it, like I said, that led to a good 10 years um, where I needed it almost all the time, you know, just to function. And, and, and like I say nowadays, I gave up everything in my life for two things. Or, or even even when I stopped using cocaine, um, alcohol became, you know, where I was drinking a handle, two handles of vodka a day. Yeah. Um, just Oof. crazy amount. Um, just not functioning. You, you think you're not hurting everybody and you're hurting, you're, you're not hurting anybody and you're hurting everybody around you. So I, my thing was, I got to give up one thing to get everything back, and and you know and and it's it's just been a blessing because all those broken relationships with kids and you know parents and um, loved ones um, now are stronger than ever and and uh, you know we we've just grown together as family and and my true friends have surrounded me and they they were the ones that really they knew myself, they knew me better than I knew myself at, you know, at some points and they helped me find myself again. And that's, that's the cool thing. That is, you got a great story, Scott. And, uh, Scott Spezio has been our guest tonight and, uh, truly inspirational. Hopefully somebody out there that, that's suffering right now can take it to heart and, and make a change in their lives. I, I'd like to thank you, Scott, for taking time out of your Sunday night to spend it with us back here on Long Island. Uh, wish you the best of health, the best of life. Uh, take care, and uh, we'll keep in touch with you. 
Thank you so much, bro. You have a great night, too. All right? You, Thanks too. That, that, that's Scott Spezio, folks. That'll do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests, Jack O'Callaghan and Scott Spezio, my engineer, Brian Graves, and, of course, you guys for joining us. I'll see you next on April 16th. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening, folks. This is WGBB AM 1240 and W240-DF-FM 95.9 Freeport, New York. The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.